0: Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The special needs parenting village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my Living the Sky Life Facebook page or Instagram account. And let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. Thanks again for tuning in for Season 2 of Living the Sky Life. I'm always excited to get the opportunity to talk to a father of a child on the spectrum. We talk a lot to moms, um, but it's just something different with uh, getting a dad's perspective. So my guest today uh, is just that. He is an autism father. His name is Fred Marvel. Fred is 39 years old and has been married close to 15 years and is the father of three boys. He was born and raised in Philadelphia, where he works as a paralegal. His oldest son, Alex, who is 11, was diagnosed with autism, ADHD, and sensory processing disorder. Fred started a podcast called the Spectrum Dad Podcast late last year because he wanted to help bring awareness to autism. So please welcome Fred Marvel. So I have the, the sick pleasure of having um, a, a dad on the podcast today. We don't often get to talk to dads, so I'm really excited to talk to Fred Marvel. Um, Fred uh, was introduced to me actually through his podcast, the Spectrum Dad podcast. So we'll talk a little bit about that um, and just kind of the overview of um, his son, Alex, and his other children. So welcome to the podcast, Fred. Hey, how's it going? Nice. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How are things in Philly? Cold? <laughs> oh,
1: it's getting there. It's we had a we had a snowstorm a couple weeks ago, right before Christmas. So that was that was that was pretty exciting around here.
0: Nice. Well, I know yeah. you told me before we started that the kids um, are back to school today. Um, thank yeah. heavens, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> For how no, long that lasts? It's, it's it's like it's good and bad because. Um, you know, it's good. They're back in school, but it's bad that now they have to adjust to being back in school. Yeah. You know, so it takes, it takes them a few days to get used to get used to the, yeah, uh, you know, the school schedule and everything.
0: Especially since they didn't just have a winter break, like normal, they've had like a year long on and off break. That's <laughs> so strange. They don't know what, what day it is. I don't even know what yeah. day it is most of the time. Uh, Well, I am so excited that we um, met each other and um, I I love hearing your openness and just how, you know, how much you're willing to share about your life and your family on your podcast. Um, I'd like to take a step back to where um, Alex is your oldest child and you only had Alex. Um, And you, in your first episode of your podcast, you talk a little bit about the background and how he ultimately um came to be diagnosed with level two autism mm-hmm. um, there's quite a story leading up to that so you want to share yeah. uh some of the background that you guys have been through it's quite a bit
1: yeah no problem alex is uh 11 years old he'll be 12 in august this year and yeah like you said he was our first kid um uh he was normal absolutely normal birth no problems whatsoever You know, my wife was a champ going through everything, and um, we had a babysitter lined up, but she couldn't start, um, you know, right away when we needed to when my wife was going back to work. So a a family friend said that he would do it. He would watch Alex. He had a son that was a little bit older than Alex, but pretty close in age. Um, So that was perfect, and he lived in our neighborhood. So um, one day, my wife uh, went over on her lunch break to visit with Alex and the babysitter, and you know she noticed something wasn't right with Alex. Like he wasn't acting like himself. She thought he was sick, had a cold or the flu or whatever. So she took him to our pediatrician, and the pediatrician right away sent uh, sent my wife and him down to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. And um, so that's where I met my wife, Kasha. I was was still at work. I was actually at our work uh, Christmas party when she called me. Um, And again, we had no suspicions of anything because his pediatrician knew what was going on with Alex, but wanted my wife to take him to the hospital right away and didn't want to stress her out with what her uh, suspicions were. So again, we're at Children's Hospital. It's the three of us, um, and we, you know, think, oh, he's just got like a the flu or cold or something. You know, it's a newborn baby. Who knows? He was four months old at the time. Um, so we the triage nurse and the doctors come in and they're examining him, and um, they look at us and said that somebody's been abusing this baby, and. At that point, like, our jaws hit the floor because, like, it was, you know, up until that point, you know, he wasn't in, like, a daycare. Uh, you know, we didn't find, like, he was all, only around people that we knew, people in our family, close friends, things like that. So we had absolutely no reason to suspect that he was being abused. Uh, he was, like I told you before, when we started, he was hitting all his milestones, you know, no marks or bruises or anything like that. Um, so the doctor started looking at my wife and I, like, because we're bringing in this infant who they said it was, uh, shaken baby syndrome. And, you know, we have no, uh, we have no explanation for what happened. Like, uh, you know, we didn't say, oh, we were, you know, uh, he hit his head or we dropped him or did whatever. Um, we had no idea what was going on. Um, so that was, that was, that was the tough part because Um, because we had no idea what was going on and because we brought in a baby that was being abused, they had to call DHS on us. Um, And as part of that whole deal, my wife and I were not allowed to stay in the room alone with our son. We always had to be supervised by somebody, a doctor, a nurse. Uh, They let like one of our parents stay with us, I think. My mother-in-law stayed with my wife for a couple nights and then, you know, when I took over and my mom stayed with us for, you know, stayed with me in the hospital and Alex for a couple nights. Um, but after, I can't even remember, but after a couple days, the babysitter finally called and left a voicemail for my wife saying uh, he was feeding Alex and when he went to uh, stand up after feeding him, the babysitter tripped and dropped Alex. Okay. So, Uh, I guess, you know, we'll never know if that was the true story or not, but that was like, I guess enough for the hospital and DHS and everybody that, you know, we weren't under, you know, they kind of, they eased up on us and, you know, we didn't have any more uh, restrictions or anything like that. Um, So anyway, yeah, he was diagnosed with uh, shaken baby syndrome. He had uh, bleeding on his brain. He had uh, concussion, he had retinal hemorrhages, which was like bleeding behind both eyes. Um, and with the right eye was a lot worse than the left, the right eye started to cross a lot. Um, so after, I think we were in the hospital that time for about eight days and we had, um, surgery scheduled, he needed a shunt placed in his brain to relieve, um, some of the bleeding, because what happened, what was happening was, is the blood and the cerebral fluid was building up. And like, if you look at baby pictures of him, you could see, like, he looks like he's got a swollen head. Um, So that caught, you know, that puts pressure on your brain. It gives you a headache and things like that. And, you know, they told us like, if you ever, you know, if you ever think he's in any kind of pain or discomfort or whatever, you know, bring him back. Before you know, I can't remember before whatever our surgery date was. So it was it was about a month later, and he just had a rough night of sleep. And um, you know, so my wife and I looked at each other like, that. "We got to bring him in." So we called his neurosurgeon. Uh, he met us at the hospital, and the next day, Alex had his shunt placed to relieve the pressure in his brain. Uh, and that was another. Uh, about a week stay in the hospital before we were able to bring him home Um, and then right away even before we left the hospital that time right away after surgery uh, because because of everything that happened it was almost like handling a newborn again Um, you know before all this happened he was doing his tummy time you know had his head control and things like that and now it was like back to square one where you know, we have to make sure we're supporting his head and things like that. So before we even left the hospital after his shunt surgery, we had already started with uh, the, you know, the PT and the OT to kind of help him uh, catch back up. And that's where we were introduced to early intervention uh, because not only were we doing uh, PT and OT at Children's Hospital at CHOP, but we also had people coming to the house to do it in our house too um you know and i don't know what it was because neither of us up until that point were like type a personalities we're both pretty like laid back but you know we're pretty uh i don't want to say aggressive but like just followed whatever the therapist said to like the teeth you know, uh, and was, well, you know, what can we do when you're not here? Are there exercises we can do or different things we can do, you know, so he's getting a little more work, you know, when you're not here. Um, So right away, we were pretty pretty aggressive with that. And then um, eventually at some point, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember how old he was, but probably sometime between he was two, three years old. you know he makes a miraculous recoveries. Absolutely no issues with him. Um, he spoke at a normal, you know, he said his first words at a, at the typical time. He walked at the typical time. Um, you know he made a he made a miraculous recovery. I you know remember talking with the detective that was working his case. She says I never. You know, unfortunately, in her line of work, she deals with a lot of these cases. And she said, I've never seen this before. Um,
0: Poor kid. What a rough start yeah, to life. I, know. <laughs> I mean, geez. Well, so what, when he was um, discharged from the therapies um, at, you know, age three-ish or whatever, yeah. um, I, I remember you saying you, you put him in a local daycare. And then right. he started, what, struggling with some of the things, again, like sitting still, Following yeah, directions, just, hitting yeah typical a like daycare
1: stuff right it yeah like, once he turned three years old like it's kind of like funny looking back it's like a clock switch he got really aggressive uh, hitting you know hitting my wife and I uh, hitting his teachers never any kids it was always seemed to be like any kind of like authority figure um, so uh, yeah like we thought like ah oh, he's 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 fine he's done all his therapies let's put him in daycare. And as soon as he got there, like, like you said, he didn't want to sit still for like, say circle time or anything like that. Or he would try and run out of the classroom. And as soon as anybody tried to stop him, he was, you know, trying to take a swing at them or scratch them or bite them or whatever it was. So he wasn't even there years, probably like six months or so. And, you know, the daycare owner met with us and, you know, she was, she was great. She was extremely helpful because like, it was never like, oh, your kid's a bad kid. We can't deal with them. Like, you got to take them somewhere else. Like, she pointed us in the direction of, uh, you know, I think there's some other issues going on here. You know, here's the people you talk to to get them evaluated and, and, and see what's what. You know, so that's what we did. We, you know, took a break from daycare, uh, back to CHOP with their uh, developmental pediatricians. Which was, a, which was a long uh, a long wait to get any kind of evaluation there. And um, eventually they came back and said he's got uh, ADHD and sensory processing disorder. Um, this is probably like four, you know, he's about four years old at this point. And they said he had some symptoms of autism, but not enough to place him on the spectrum. So you know we start back with all his um you know all his therapy again same thing we uh we took him to occupational therapy at chop once a week and then we had uh the occupational therapist coming to our house to work with us there um uh when he went back to school it was like one of those like inclusive schools where like there were kids like Alex that needed help there were typical kids and everything like that um you know he had his one-on-one aide at school. Um, he had uh, occupational therapy at school, which was great. They had their own like occupational therapy room, you know, so he could do, you know, he could get some sessions in while he's in school. And then we had a uh, behavior, BSC, a behavior services consultant, or I think, I can't remember the, all the acronyms by, the, <laughs> by this point, you know, but she would split her time between home and school you know, meet with us at home, uh, check on Alex at school, see how he's doing and, you know, go from there. So, so when
0: did he officially get the autism diagnosis? I mean, it was wasn't he... until
1: it wasn't until this summer.
0: So he was 11 already.
1: Yes, he was just about 11. It was He, huh. he turned 11 in August and um, he uh, got diagnosed. I think it was finally in July.
0: I mean, because I guess. I just always confused why, I mean, they would diagnose him with, or diagnose a child with sensory processing disorder and ADHD and right. wait for such a lengthy period of time, because yeah, uh, sometimes without t- that autism diagnosis, you can't get all the services that you need.
1: Oh, I, I know. I would rather we're f- have more <laughs> we're, we're, we're <laughs> labels f- than none. Yeah, we're finding that out now. It, and it's funny, because like we've had a few, few of his therapists like would say, like, oh, just... You know just get him diagnosed with autism and and you'll get more like oh I don't, you know like do we really want him to be diagnosed with something just to get more services so we kind of just like you know I, we didn't take that advice um and he was doing actually pretty good up until in second grade like he didn't need his aid anymore he was he was doing great but uh once third grade hit he had a really tough time with and i'm guessing it's just because of like you know more structure and more study time and less like free time and play time and everything like that um so that's when we kind of revisited all this stuff he was uh evaluated by the school district to see you know like what kind of things they could do for him at school uh, we started talking back with his developmental pediatrician, and then, um, you know, we started him on ADHD medication, and it, that would help, but it, it's funny. I was listening to, like, I, I'm a paralegal, so I work in an office all day. Well, you know, before before the shutdown, I worked in an office all day, and I would listen to podcasts, and I was looking for... Um, a podcast that you know like a parenting podcast for kids with ADHD and sensory processing disorder and I found this one I don't even remember what it was called but um I don't even think they do it anymore but they had a little boy who was a little younger than Alex but when they were describing him it sounded like they were talking about Alex to the T and their son was diagnosed with all three so I'm like huh I went back and I called his behavior therapist And it's, you know, like, hey, tell me if you think I'm crazy, but could there be any chance that Alex is on the autism spectrum? She says, you know, it's funny. I was sitting here trying to think of a way to uh, kind of approach the subject. So it's me and my wife, because she was thinking the same thing, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh, my
0: gosh.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that led to uh, ADOS testing and... Um, we went, my wife and I went for the interview in March and we had Alex's appointment for his observation and that was scheduled for the end of March. Well, uh, you know, in the middle of March, everything gets locked down mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, we can't, you know, we can't finish his appointment. Like, okay, I understand. And then, you know, months go by and at least in Philly, things started to open up little by little. So then I started calling, like, well, when, you know, can, when can we, when can we finish his examination? Because, you know, if you guys think he needs more, you know, by then I was familiar with like ABA and all that kind of stuff. Like, if you guys think he needs ABA or whatever, you know, I'm working from home now and it's the summertime, you know, so we could get it started. And so they finally, you know, they're still not open for like in person in, in their facility visits, but they agreed since he's been going there for one reason or another, since he was about three, that they had enough to go on to diagnose him. So they finally diagnosed him with level, level two autism.
0: The levels are new to me. Cause I mean, my son is 17, so um, right. they didn't have that. They just had a spectrum and you were just either severe or high functioning <laughs> right. kind of deal. What is level yeah. two um i think there's like three
1: three levels with i guess level three means you need like the most help Mm -hmm. you know so you know and there's no like asperger's anymore either right so you know i guess level two is kind of like right in the middle Mm -hmm. um you know like he still has aggression issues sometimes um again just with us (laughs) not with his teachers or anything um But he has uh, like a lot of social issues, right? Um, you know, like things like that. And that's kind of what started, uh, uh, you know, what it was. That was another clue for us that maybe there's something else going on here, because it seemed like as he got older, he reached like he was like keeping up with everybody. But around like third or fourth grade, it seemed like he kind of stayed where he was at, like socially and maturity level and things like that, where everybody else kind of like, you know, like started to take off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, you know, socially is one of his biggest issues right now.
0: Well, does that um, cross over? So I guess fast forward a few years and you guys mm-hmm. have added. Your other sons, Daniel, seven, and yes, Oliver Dan. is three. So God yep. help you. <laughs> three <laughs> boys is <laughs> a lot. Um, yeah. You guys um, added two sons to the family. Um, right. What is the relationship like between all of them? I mean, there's a significant amount of you know age gap between right. all of them, but I would imagine that um, maybe Alex's relationship is. A little bit different with your three-year-old versus your seven-year-old or does he does he relate more to the three-year-old i, I mean he does
1: yeah i know he, he totally does because the three-year-old is more willing to go along with whatever alex likes and whatever alex wants to do uh where our seven-year-old daniel is old enough now that he's got You know, he's got his own personality, and he like, and he's got his own set of like likes and dislikes and things like that. And you know, if they intersect, if they like the same thing, then they'll get along. But um, Daniel is also like very independent too. He has no problem saying, "I don't want to do that." You know, like Daniel is he's such a he's such a great kid because like he doesn't care if. He's by himself or he's with a crowd as long as, you know, he's just going to do like what makes him happy. And he, you know, so that's, but that leads to trouble sometimes because, you know, Alex has his small set of things he enjoys to do. And, you know, they don't always, they don't always match up. Mm -hmm. So Alex gets along better with Oliver because Oliver's still, you know, he just turned three in August. So he's more willing to go along with you know, whatever big brother wants to do.
0: Does he, I think you mentioned once on on one of your episodes that um, it's very clear to you guys that Alex doesn't understand the size difference and how strong he is with his brothers. Uh, Is he still, does he still have behaviors with you guys, his parents, as far as hitting and things like that? Um, And has it transitioned to other kids or his brothers?
1: he's never ever hit any other kids he would hit he would hit the boys and he he, well he's one of those kids like if he's around somebody he's not comfortable with uh he'll mask he'll mask everything as best he can Gotcha. and then like so you know we would run into trouble when he comes home from school because he's holding all this stuff inside and you know it's got to come out somewhere yeah so it would come out like as soon as he got home but um with Daniel and Ollie um His biggest issue with them is, like, Alex is one of those kids that loves, like, physical contact, deep pressure, things like that. Mm -hmm. So there will be times when he needs something, like, sensory-wise, where he'll just, like, you know, squeeze their arm or squeeze their face or, you know, things like that. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't know um, how hard he's squeezing or how hard he's touching them or, you know, whatever it is. Um, he he doesn't realize that, mm-hmm. and and Alex is a big kid. To put, like he's not a typical eleven year old. He's five foot three and about one hundred and forty pounds. So, you know, not only is he eleven and four years older than Daniel, but he's also twice the size. Yeah, you know <laughs> so it's so it's such
0: a puzzling thing just to add on to this whole autism puzzle disorder anyway but um why sometimes that sensory input they seek out from adults or their parents the only i mean my son i think likes a lot of pressure as well but mm-hmm. he doesn't he's not a hugger he's not he doesn't really like anyone to touch him or like sit close to him or whatever it's kind of on his terms so the very rare occasion that he'll hug us or something he'll reach out and hug both of us but my husband more I think okay but he smacks his open hands on our back when he's hugging us and it ramps up and gets harder and harder and harder and I I like to think it's like I just love you man you know like he's just so into it but
1: Alex is the same way a little bit where like he'll do the same thing that like us or the boys he'll start like kind of like tapping on them and then it yeah like you said it the intensity ramps up mm-hmm. you know but yeah he alex is that kid though like he loves we since i've been home like that's one of the things we've been working on is instead of you know squeezing your brothers come to me and i'll wrap them up and give them a big, uh, big bear hug and. You know, I'll spin, he loves to spin too. So I'll spin him around the room and things like that.
0: Does he have a weighted blanket? Does he like
1: those? He, no, he does have the weighted blanket, but that's never uh, that's never made a difference.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, we've tried that. He likes, he's, uh, he's got an exercise ball in his playroom. That's where like his computer's set up for school and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, he'll use that a lot during the day. I wish our house was big enough to have a swing. Is he would he would love that. Yeah. Like one well, of one of those like hammock swings, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just hook things. it up we'll in work. your
0: ceiling in the middle of your living room. <laughs> Everyone can enjoy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes we just have yeah. to make accommodations that look weird to other people, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you um, you know, as I mentioned when we started, you started a podcast recently, um, in August of of the pandemic year, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and <I know>. uh, <laughs> called the Spectrum Dad, um, right, to talk about your story and to talk about all things autism. Um, you know, what compelled you to start it? I know you said um, in your job you would listen to podcasts a lot and you sought yeah. out some different podcasts. Um, what what was your you know in t- intention of I guess of starting this one and what do you hope comes well, from that's, it? That's
1: that's exactly what it was. I mean, once uh we kind of figured out like all right alex has autism this is like i just wanted to consume everything i could
0: you Mm -hmm. know that
1: had to do with the subject so you know i i found a few podcasts that i absolutely loved and it was like binge watching a show on netflix or something i had it on all the time um you know things like that and you know i read your book um and then I'm like, all right, well, there's no, like, there are now that I've, that I've started, like, branching out and opening up, like, podcasts by dads, but at the time, like, it was podcasts by autism moms, and, like, first, I was like, all right, if, you know, I'm learning about autism through this podcast, and it's helping me understand my son, like, I can't be the only one out there, like, there's got to be other people that, you know, maybe this could help out. And then the other part of it was, um, you know, just the dad thing. Like, uh, I think it's different. It's similar, but it's different between dads and moms because uh-huh. especially, especially dads, you know, like I was like, oh, I am having a son. We're going to, you know, he's going to be on the uh, travel baseball team. We're going to do <laughs> this. and We're going to do that. You know, it's like all of a sudden that oh, plans change. You know, we're not, you know, we're not, that's not, that's not going to happen. So it was like, how, well, how do you adjust to that? And, you know, just kind of being a little, a little more open with, with, you know, what we go through.
0: Yeah. And it's nice to get, um a perspective from dads. I've had a couple other dads on before. And um, again, your emotions are different than ours. The way you process the diagnosis is different than ours, whether it's a daughter or a son. Um, So it's nice to hear, you know, dads come out and say, this is hard. Like, this is how I dealt with my emotions. I didn't, or (laughs) I, you know, (laughs) I, I buried them and hid and tried to be strong for my wife and and my kids. And, um, you know, just the importance of, of owning your feelings too and being able right. to be comfortable to talk about them I think it's so important
1: yeah so and, I, I love it and like us as dads like I don't know like I I guess typically I mean everybody is different but you want to fix things like you know what I mean like something yep, you know something's different we got to fix it but you know I don't there's no fix like you kind of like help them out and you know so they can live their best lives but you know like that autism and adhd and sensory processing disorder it's always going to be there mm-hmm. so it's kind of you know it's adjusting to that like how do you de- how do you how do you deal with that because you know but like that's where like, like i i think being a, a, we were I don't know, we were pretty aggressive with everything
0: mm-hmm.
1: um because like we still wanted alex to be able to enjoy like the typical kid stuff like going to the zoo going to museums and you know baseball games and and vacations and stuff so we were kind of you know there's got to be a way to figure this like how do we figure it out like all right if this is how it is that's fine but you know we don't want to you know we still want him to get out and enjoy things so
0: sure and he's still learning and you guys are still learning and you know one of the things i think is such such a helpful takeaway from all the podcasts and blogs and social media groups and sites that are out there that um you know i've joined gosh in the last just few years it didn't seem like there was any of that stuff years ago <laughs> right. when um my son was little but it's so great because i'm still learning every single day from parents of you know 20 year olds where we're we're headed and we're almost there um yeah. of things that they're doing even at the age of 20 and 30 and you know, things that I never thought to try or to, to try again that I tried before and it just didn't it didn't work at that time. So um mm-hmm. and you know, in parenting your your other two children, that's that's a challenge in itself because you're trying to raise them quote unquote normally and letting them have all the experiences that you know they deserve as children, but and without right. making them grow up too fast. But you also want them to understand their brother and what's know challenging for him and to be empathetic and that it's a it's a chore it's a lot of yeah And
1: that's 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 the tough part because uh what works with alex does not work with daniel Mm -hmm. so like parenting them it's completely different and daniel's old enough to realize like well why is alex getting treated this way Mm -hmm. but i'm getting treated this way you know so um you know, that, that's, that's, that's been one of the toughest parts is as Daniel's gotten older, um, you know, he's become more aware of the different ways we, we parent the, both of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because like yeah. Al, Alex is more like, you know, token boards and motivation and rewards and everything like that. And Daniel's that typical kid where, you know, if he acts up, you can send him to his room for 10 minutes and, you know, problem's over.
0: Mm-hmm. Does Daniel play sports now, or is he getting into activities?
1: He does a little bit. Uh, he's not really a sports guy. He's not really a sports kid. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, he's done baseball and basketball. They both do Boy Scouts, which...
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah, which is... That's been the thing like that, that they both clicked with. Uh, you know, Alex has tried everything, too. He's played he's played basketball and baseball. Um, he, he's ac- he, actually earned his, uh, junior black belt in karate and then, uh, begged me to let him stop like a month later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: I mastered this dad. I'm good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, this is like, you know, he's one of those kids that like, you know, if, if you tell him a, a timeline, if you give him a schedule, like, you better, you better stick to it. Uh, because like, there was a a couple months before his black belt, he's like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. You know, like, dude, you're so close. Just get your black belt and then we'll talk. And then sure enough, he gets his black belt. All right, I'm done. (laughs) That was a great
0: activity to, to channel some of his, um, you know, anxiety and angst and, you know,
1: yeah. I know that way, you know, but like back to like the tough parts, because like that is also that's also like uh tough for him and it's tough for parents to see because like he started with and he went through it for about three years with basically the same group of kids. And they're all great kids. So it wasn't a situation where he's getting picked on. But while they're all off like before and after class, chit-chatting and you know, things like that, he's you know, he's too nervous, too anxious, too whatever to right. kind of join in, you know. And that, that's, that's, a, that's going back to Daniel. That's something where we run into problems with Alex and Daniel is Alex is not coordinated. And he's got has a lot of trouble with uh, with physical things. And mm-hmm. Daniel is like, we keep joking, we're going to sign him up for American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> like he's climbing all over everything. He's he like everything comes. Daniel, he's he's the total opposite. Everything comes to him easily. Right. So we're at that point now where, you know, Daniel can fly. If we go to the park, Daniel can fly around everything a lot quicker than Alex. And you know, Alex is starting to notice that, that like, oh man, little brother's starting to starting to pass me by here on the monkey bars and things like that. So that, you know, that leads to like frustrations and fights, bet- you know, between the two of them and, you know, frustration for Alex and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, that that that's kind of, that's a tough, that's, you know, that's a tough thing to deal with as well.
0: Well, at least they, for now, can bond over Boy Scouts. So, yeah. so are they in the same um, troop or is, no, it, is it, it called goes, a troop? Goes, I, that's what that's yeah, brownies, I think.
1: <laughs> I, I, I See, and I'm the worst. Uh, it goes by great. So Alex is with the kids in his grade and Daniel's uh-huh. with the kid You know, but they do they meet at the same, you know, on the same day. So, you know, they're they're there together. Um, but he you know, they it's funny, like this lockdown has helped them realize, like since they're basically around each other all the time now, that they do have some things in common with like, you know, they'll go and play video games and uh you know they like to ride scooters and things like that and so i think they're they at least alex is realizing that he's got a lot more in common with daniel than you know than he thought before i think
0: well that's good and, and then yeah hopefully- and just being
1: around each other's really helped them just learn how to learn how to deal with each other
0: It'll be interesting to see what Oliver picks up, since he's, you know, just kind of bringing up the rear as a three-year-old, just <laughs> observing all of it and going, "All right, right. I'm going to take this from him, and I'm going to yeah. take these skills from him, and I'm going to just right. be, you know."
1: Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. We'll see. It'll it'll get interesting. It'll definitely get interesting. Well, um, you know, I
0: I've, I've loved our conversation, and I. Um, again, I just really appreciate how open and, you know, just willing you are to be vocal about the struggles um, with Alex and just kind of mm-hmm. where you are today and, and that you're podcasting about it. Um, is there anything you can share with um, other dads or, or moms listening about, you know, just maybe the process of, you've gone through with your feelings and emotions and how you've, you know, transformed a little bit with dealing with that in the beginning and then you know clearly you're open enough now to talk about it or you wouldn't have started a podcast um but i I I, can't imagine you were always in that place of willing to talk be being willing to talk about all of those things oh
1: god no i was that typical like like, i guess like strong silent type where you know i kind of like old school like you know guys keep everything inside and don't show anything Mm -hmm. um and that does not help Uh, you know you gotta you gotta be open with what you're feeling and what you're going through and because it's tough it's you know you're adjusting to you know you think your life is going to be this way when really it's going to be that way and it doesn't mean and another thing you have to learn is it doesn't mean it's bad it's not but it's just different Mm -hmm. you know um, so even though it's not you know even though it's not the way you thought it was going to be it can still it can still be pretty good i mean we still have a lot of we still have a lot of fun learning to meet alex on his level is fun like he you know there's still like things that he loves that like all right you know and and i learn about them so because he loves when we sit and talk to him about you know his latest obsession he's one of those kids that get up gets obsessed with things for you know, six months, to a year at a time. So, you know, let's, let's, you know what I mean? Now it's Star Wars. Let's talk about Star Wars. Let's play Star Wars games or watch the movie or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then learning to uh, take care of yourself too, because even, even when you process everything, even when you get through everything and you accept that, uh, you know, the diagnosis and your, your, you know, your new life and everything like that. There's, it's still going to be frustrating. You're still going to have bad days where, you know, you just want to like flip out and and you know. Uh, but finding, I think finding like some kind of uh, outlet to deal with all that is important. You know, like me personally, I like I like to go to the gym. Like, but whatever it is, you know, find find something constructive. That helps you uh, deal with uh, deal with the stress because it is stressful, but you know it's it's a lot of fun once you learn how to process everything and deal with everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We we ask moms all the time, "What do you do for self care? How do you mm-hmm. you know take care of yourself and do, take time for yourself?" And um, I think a lot of times we just assume that in many of the scenarios that I, of people I've talked to, the, the mom is home with the kids, whether she's working from home or uh, <laughs> having a harder job of just um, <laughs> taking care of the kids, as, as we right. say, um, yeah. which is working harder. Um, but with the dads sometimes being able to leave the house and go outside for work, that I think the assumption is that that's their free time, that's their time to get away. But work is stressful no matter where you are. And that's not necessarily your break. You're still having to work and do your obligations for your job. That's not really personal me time. So you still need an outlet that's not work, that's not parenting, that's not anything that's just for you. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yep. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I know you're on the mic um, doing this on the other end. So I appreciate you. Um, being a guest on a podcast for me. And um, again, Fred's uh, podcast is The Spectrum Dad. And where can they access your podcast?
1: Uh, it's available wherever uh, podcasts are. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google.
0: Okay. Um,
1: if you want to find me on Instagram, it's at the spectrum dad pod. And, you know, so feel free to shoot me any questions you have or if you just want to talk.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Fred. I hope you have the great rest of your day.
1: All right, you too. Thanks. All right.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and will tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.